He in charge. The entire universe will know of it. This world will be stunned by it. It is no secret private coming. It is a massive, obvious, victorious ride of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you, and it's great to be celebrating with you on this Mother's Day. Man, we're launching a new sermon series here today. So as you were coming in, you should have gotten a book that's actually the third booklet in the kind of the Revelation series that we've been walking through. And uh, man, if you did not get a book, man, just go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Everybody should have one. You're like, hey, I'm visiting. Get a book. We'd love to have you have it, all right? So that booklet has our sermons in it. That booklet has the five-day kind of a reading calendar so that you can walk through the Word connected to the preach. It's got our impact group questions in it, and it's got some graphics in there as well to be able to understand a little bit more of what's in the passages we're going to be going after. So we're going after Revelation chapters 20, 21, and 22, the closeout to the book of Revelation. If you remember, we actually launched last fall where we were walking through Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3, and we called that the wake-up call. It was the messages to the seven churches and the call-out to these real churches with real struggles. Everybody just say, real churches. And they are real churches. They really existed at the time of John, and he was writing to them. They had real problems going on, real hurts, and they also had real successes going on, and God was giving them some challenge. So we walked through and took a challenge from that. Then in the January time frame, we launched Revelation chapters 4 through 19, the whole middle section of the book of Revelation. And we were walking through this for worship, not for worry, right? Just say that with me. For worship, not for worry. The whole battle cry is, our God is in charge. May we worship the one who has a plan. May he get all the glory. And as we walked through it, there was one simple statement that we used to try to understand the structure of it all, right? Maybe you'll remember this. Hopefully you do, right? Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, Christ comes. Say it with me. Seven years, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and then Christ comes. That is Revelation 4 through 19. And if you got nothing else out of Revelation 4 through 19 other than may God get all the worship and then that battle cry statement, you've got a ton, right? The seals, trumpets, and bowls really being the scroll unrolled that Christ had the authority to go through. And at the end in Revelation 19, then Christ comes. He came first as lamb to die for you and me, but he is coming again. He is coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. And man, as we closed out that last series, we closed out with Jesus Christ, the coming King, as his foot touches down on the Mount of Olives, as he ends rebellion in that moment and sets up his kingdom. So what is that kingdom like? What is coming for the thousand years and then for all of eternity? That's what we're looking at as we dive into Revelation 20 through 22, all right? So turn with me to chapter 1 in the booklet, and we're going to get going after it here. Point number 1, by the authority of Jesus, Satan and his demons will be locked up for the entire thousand years. By the authority of Jesus, Satan and his demons will be locked up for the entire thousand years. May we worship Jesus and all of his authority. He is going to be locking Satan up, and that thousand-year millennium is going to be with uh, all demonic forces put aside. 
So it starts out in verse 1 of chapter 20 now. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. We'll just hold right there. He says, Then I saw. In the original language, he says, Kai Aidan. And I saw, or then I saw. Like, this is a follow-up to what just came before it. Well, what was before it? It's what we were just talking about. Revelation 19, the coming of Jesus Christ. As he mounts up on a white horse, which means victory. Everybody say victory. And he rides in and thundering forth. He in charge. The entire universe will know of it. This world will be stunned by it. It is no secret private coming. It is a massive, obvious, victorious ride of Jesus Christ. And for all the believers who have died or been raptured up, they're with glorified bodies and soul by that point, and we're coming in. All of us, if you are saved, you're going to be on that victory ride with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. There's only one weapon. Jesus' spoken word. What he says is it. The rest of us are just trying to hold on for dear life as we come down on the horses. We have no idea how to ride, right? So it's, here we come, thundering in Christ in charge. Him, King of Kings. It's like, after that, I saw the following. We have to make sure we really grasp what we're talking about. And in your books, there's an image. Let's go ahead and throw the pickup of Jesus Christ here. This is a, a drawing we had one of our artists here local draw. And uh, he's got the white horse with the massive authority, the victory statement. You can see the king of kings written on his robe. His robe, it says, dipped in blood. By the way, probably his blood because he hasn't gone to war yet. It's his blood paid at the cross. He is our lamb, Jesus Christ. And you see the sword of the Spirit, right? The power of His Word spoken. He is in charge. Coming up, and probably not far away, Christ is coming again as King of Kings. And He will reign forevermore. Christ comes in to establish His kingdom. And that's what John is about ready to describe. Some of what he sees, alright? John says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. John says, I saw an angel coming down, like a messenger from God. This is a good angel sent by God with a job to do. In his hand, he's got the key to the bottomless pit. The key, like he can open it, he can close it. He has authority. Everybody say authority. Given by God, he has authority over this bottomless pit. And in fact, that word in the original language is the word abyss. For those of you who've been around the church for a little while, you may know that word abyss, and we've seen it in other passages of Scripture. And uh, so the abyss, this is a real place that is a prison for demons, all right? The abyss. This is not some metaphorical thing. This is a real place for demons. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter 8, verse 31, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to write the passage down. Luke 8, verse 31 this is when there's some demons inside of a man, and he's demon-possessed. In fact, so many that the demons said, just call us legion, right? It is a massive, ugly moment of evil dominating. And they know that Christ is about ready to throw out these demons, and so they cry out, please, don't throw us in the abyss. Dude, it's a real place. The demons were very concerned about it. 
It was an isolation. It was a prison. It was a lockdown. They were no longer free to move around. There are some that try to say, well, I think the abyss is just a metaphor for like this whole world and, and that Satan is, you know, kind of locked into this world. Really? That's what they were saying? Please don't throw us out of this guy into the world right around here? That's not what was being said. What was being said is don't lock us up. Don't limit us. And then Jesus Christ moves with an answer that kind of casts them into the swine and they run off with that, right? It is a real place. Everybody say real. The abyss is a real place, a real prison to hold demons. In fact, we see it also come up. Here's another passage you may want to write. Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And uh, this is when the fifth trumpet is being blasted. Remember, there's seven trumpets the fifth one gets blasted and an angel comes out with a key to unlock the abyss and it allows demons to roar out. God's saying you only are allowed to touch those who are worshiping the beast, the ones who are worshiping evil. You can only touch them. And so as these demons roar out, they've been so sick of being locked up. They're so evil in what they are. They're like happy to attack anything and anyone. They go in and they ravage and they roar on these who are taking the mark, those who are worshiping the beast, those who are going after evil. And yeah, it's a real place. It's an abyss with locked up demons. And uh, just so you know, the angel has that authority and that key. It says, and a great chain, like he's serious about the lockdown, right? A great chain. It says, and he seized the dragon. Now, when you see this word dragon, you're like, where is this going, right? Is this just getting into some weird mystical story? And no, man, it's a metaphor. And in fact, you'll notice that whenever you dive into metaphors, right, Revelation tends to answer them. And so just so we're super clear, as we read through Revelation, we're taking a plain sense read. Remember that? So if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, right? If it makes sense, just leave it alone. And now all of a sudden we run into a dragon and we don't really know of a dragon in existence. And so he describes what that is. The ancient serpent, you know, the one who persuaded Eve to take a bite in the Garden of Eden, who is the devil and Satan. Notice how he gave the exact description of what he's talking about, right? The plain sense read often so clearly just revealed in the passage. And he's like, listen, this angel came down with a key to the abyss and he came down and grabbed Satan. It says, and bound him for a thousand years. Like, this is super important. We have to understand that Satan, very powerful, very evil, very massive, and it took one angel. One angel grabs him and throws him in. Now, with the authority of God Almighty, but what it was not, everybody say not, it was not God going in and having to tackle Satan, and it was this even-up battle. God finally gets him thrown into prison, and he's exhausted. It was so hard. Not that. It wasn't that at all. In fact, God just goes, another one of my created beings, knock that off for him, put him in jail. And it's done. The angel puts him in. Satan is big compared to you and me. Satan is small compared to the creator of the universe. And all of God's people said, and God's got it in hand. It says, and he bound him for a thousand years. Now, again, we're taking a plain sense read. So if the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. So he bound him for a thousand years. Maybe a thousand years means a thousand years. Let's just leave it at what it says, right? Just so you know, the word a thousand years is repeated six times in this passage. 
Six times it says they locked him up for a thousand years. And at the end of the thousand years, there was a thousand years. And at the end of thousand, 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 six times over talked about. Now, I think it's very fair to say, just take the plain sense read. This is actually going to be a thousand years. It says, and bound him for that thousand years. Now, I just want to be fair to this passage. There are some who say, I think that this is actually talking about what happened at the cross. That there was powerful work done at the cross. We would all say there is, and all of God's people said, powerful work done at the cross. Satan is absolutely losing control in that moment as Christ has now died for our sins. Praise God for that and risen again. But to say that Satan is bound for a thousand years, well, first of all, it's not a thousand. So now you have to change it to a metaphor. And bound, doesn't scripture actually say he's going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour? Or 2 Corinthians, that he blinds the minds of those who don't believe? That he is an attacker and an accuser, that he is a deceiver and a liar? Dude, that's not very bound. I'm just saying I don't think that's what it is at all. There was great work at the cross in the first coming. This is talking about Christ's second coming and a binding that will be absolutely 100%. He will throw him into the abyss and lock him down. Let's take the plain sense read of this and just to use it literally, it's a thousand years and Satan's locked and all of God's people said. And uh, if you want to say, well, how do you know it's actually really locked up thoroughly? Listen to the next phrase. And threw him in the pit and shut it up and sealed it over. Is that clear enough? Threw him in, shut it up, sealed it over. Like there is no influence coming from the demonic forces at all for a whole thousand years. It is a complete lockdown. Everybody say complete. For a thousand years. So that he might not deceive the nations any longer. No more whispering to your soul. No more calling you across. No more asking you and stirring in you to be upset with another. No more saying, can you believe that guy? Or what's up with? Why would they think? All that whispering, gone. Satan limited in a massive, massive way. So let's make sure we understand a little bit about the millennial kingdom. There will be limited sin. Satan is gone. No more temptation at that level. No more whisper at that level. There will be limited death. There is a turnover that's going to happen and there are going to be people living for hundreds and hundreds of years. Limited death. Jesus Christ will be sitting on the throne and Satan will not. And all of God's people said, and this is a huge kingdom moment coming. Satan right now is called the God of this world. Not then. Jesus Christ will be God over all and he will be sitting on the throne. It says, until the thousand years are ended. And if it says a thousand years, maybe it just means a thousand years. Let's just go with the plain sense read. And the, until the thousand years are ended, Satan bound for the whole thousand years. So let's make sure we understand just a little bit about this kingdom moment, all right? So who's in the kingdom? Well, not Satan. He's off and bound. Christ is sitting on the throne. So we have our headship. Who's in it? Well, there are those who go through the seven years 
who actually accept Christ. They get saved. They refuse to take the mark. They don't go with the beast. There are some believers that will come along in those seven years. And at the end of that, they will be alive. And the surviving believers from the seven years will be moved into the kingdom with Christ. The, the kingdom will start out with all human believers. At that time that we're formed together from the seven years, they're there. And in fact, all the rest of us, everybody say that's you and me. And if you're a believer, right, there is going to be a point where we either pass away or we're raptured up into heaven. We have glorified body added with our glorified soul. We get to come in on white horses and see the whole thing come down. And then he puts us in some levels of authority over it. So we are going to have a privilege to have some sort of leadership. There's going to be surviving believers from the seven years who come in. Can you see it? So surviving humans coming in from the seven years, the rest of us leading over it, Christ sitting over that, Satan is out. That's the millennial kingdom. And more than that, it's not just life as we know it now, where long years are like 75 to 80 years. No, it actually says 100 years is the beginning of a young man's life. 100 years is young. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that people will be living. It's going to be an amazing change that takes place with Christ in this world. It says, until the thousand years are ended. So that kingdom is going to go on with massive peace and massive celebration with awesome durations of life, with no disease and all the rest for a thousand years. How long have you been alive? Really think of that answer. Some of you are like, I have no idea. How old I am? How long have you been alive? Now, how long do you have to multiply that by to get to a thousand years? And all of it with great peace, Christ ruling over all. May God get all the glory. It says, and after that, after the thousand years, Satan must be released for a little while. By the way, another proof, if you want to know the thousand means a thousand, is if he meant just a long time, he would have said just a long time. When he meant a little time, look what he says, a little while. Okay, the plain sense stands really easily, just let it be what it is. So Satan will be released for one last great deception. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of this. But he is locked up for the entire thousand years of the kingdom. And it is so easy for us as we walk through our lives to talk about the people who have hurt us, right? And it, just to be able to remember the words they said, the way they said it. Well, it wasn't even so much the words you said, it's how you said it to me. Have you ever heard that phrase? Like in the statements, the harshness, the tone, the man, what is being said with the whisper from Satan? What's with that guy? They do not respect you. You should just. And all of a sudden we tend to rile up against one another. But in Ephesians 6, Paul says, listen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers, darkness in high places. Man, it is a spiritual war. Don't kid yourself. When you're annoyed by the person next to you, you're getting whispered to. Careful. Be careful. It's a very clear statement that right now we are in a spiritual war. Here's the deal, man. All of a sudden, when you move into the millennial kingdom, that whisper is gone. Ephesians 6 is no longer true. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Actually, the only wrestle you'll have is with a little bit of your own sin and a little bit of the guy next to you and no whisper from any satanic force at all. That's what the surviving believers are going to experience. Can you imagine 
that moment. Picture it like, imagine like Super Bowl night at your house. You got 50 people over. All the TVs are up blaring. Everything is going for three and a half straight hours. The commercials are off the they are unbelievably loud, and half the time you don't even want to watch them because where they're going. And so as you're watching this, and it's loud, and it's banging, and people are laughing, and the plates clanging, and your ears are just getting filled, and at the end of the night, whatever the score, whatever's happened, somebody takes the TVs and turns them all off, and it goes from volume to just silence. And you're like, oh, yes. Now this feels good. Welcome to the Millennial Kingdom. I'm not saying there's no Super Bowls in the Millennial Kingdom. I'm saying, <laughs> welcome to peace. Ease. No more whisper to the soul as human beings are struggling with the smallest of things now instead of massive lies to their heart. And we as believers are going to be glorified body, glorified soul, leading over the top of it, seeing stunning, perfect leadership of Jesus Christ. Oh, absolutely fulfilling. And there's going to be one word that people say, and that word is, ah. Just say it with me, say it loud. Ah. If you grasp that, you're beginning to grasp a little of the millennial kingdom, all right? It is a moment of great peace. May we worship him for his peace. May we celebrate him as the king of peace. May God get all the glory. And I'll just say it this way. Moms, when you're leading your home, know this. You have a God who is the God of peace. May we lead our homes in ways where peace is center stage, where Satan is pushed out, where evil is not ruling the day, where feelings don't decide the truth. God in charge. And all of God's people said, amen, man. All right. That's the first piece of uh, the millennial kingdom. Second, by the authority of Jesus, those who trust in him are saved and rule alongside of him. By the authority of Jesus, those who trust in him are saved and will rule alongside of him. He says, then I saw, here's that phrase again, kai aidan. Then I saw thrones and on them, were those to whom authority to judge was committed. There is leadership that's going to take place with Jesus. He's in charge, but he's going to be putting all believers of all time with glorified bodies, absolutely perfect in their thinking, perfect in their body. They're going to be leading perfectly underneath Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. It says, also, everybody say also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus. These are now the ones during the seven years who lost their lives, who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their head. He's like, I saw the ones who were saved following Jesus. They came to Christ during the seven years, and they even gave their life up for Christ. I saw them. It says they came to life. Their bodies resurrected, attached to their perfect soul, right? Now they're glorified as well. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So all believers of all time, glorified body, glorified soul, ruling with Christ. That's God's plan. No idea what our roles are going to be, but man, can you imagine. Whatever bosses you've ever had, you've never had one like this one, right? 
It is going to be an amazing time to watch God do stunning work on the earth. And it says, and the rest of the dead, everybody say the unsaved, right? And the rest of the dead, the unsaved from all time, did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So there's this massive resurrection of the bodies of all believers at the front end of the thousand years, and we're ruling for the thousand years. But at the back end of the thousand years, that's when the unsaved will have their bodies resurrected and Christ is going to have some say in their lives and it's not going to be good. We'll be looking at that next week. He's talking about the first resurrection then at the front end and he says this is the first resurrection. This is the glorified body attached to glorified souls of all of those who are believers who have died or been raptured. The first resurrection. If you have died, that's the first death, your body dying, then the first resurrection is your body being glorified up, put together with your perfect soul, all right? So he says that's the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. Like, you have an honor and a privilege to be able to share with him, to have glorified body and to stand along next to him. Who are the ones who taste of the first resurrection? Well, those who admit that Jesus is absolutely their hope. They admit they're a sinner and it's not about them. They believe that Jesus is risen. They confess him as Lord. They're saved. That's who we're talking about, saved ones. And they've given up their life either in death or they've been raptured. And now they end up experiencing this resurrection, the body being married with the soul for perfection forever. And it starts in the thousand years and this massive blessing, I'll say it this way, satisfied forever. Satisfied forever. That's when Christ comes back. Absolute perfection and satisfaction watching him lead. It says, over such, the second death has no power. The second death is what happens to the soul. That's the going to hell. And we're going to see more of that description coming up next week. He's like, just so we're super clear, if you're saved, if you believe, if you've been raised from the dead, you have your glorified body with you. There's no hell for you. You have heaven and eternity with Christ forever. It's like, over such, the second death, hell has no power says, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign for a thousand years. How many times does he have to say, you will reign for a thousand years? You have a privilege of being with Jesus. He's leading for a thousand years. For how long? And it's repeated six times in this passage. It's amazing how often it's said. We will forever represent Jesus and it starts out with a thousand year reign with him. Huge deal. Just imagine what the kingdom is going to be like. Imagine, like we said, no demonic chatter. There's no whisper to the soul getting you mad at somebody and you can't even explain why you're mad. Have you ever had those moments where you're completely ticked off and you're not even sure why? But they shouldn't have. I don't know why. And all of a sudden we're getting worked up. No more. No more whisper from Satan. The landscape, it says in Scripture, is going to be absolutely lush. As Jesus sets his foot down and the earthquake rips, there's going to be this massive rearranging that goes on. There's going to be grains that are popping up all over the world. This whole place is going to be reconstructed to be thriving and going and growing. Christ is going to be ruling from Jerusalem over everything. 
there will be absolutely stunning, perfect leadership. Let that settle. Perfect leadership. We won't shut down coal plants when we have no other way to get other power. <laughs> right? Come on, man. We got no decisions that make us flip out. There will be absolute wisdom in everything that is done. May God get all the glory. This is a stunning statement that is being made. Jesus ruling, Jesus sitting on the throne, us having a privilege with a smile on our face to be next to him. People living hundreds and hundreds of years. It says disease all but gone. Cancer, gone. What? This king is bringing in a glorious peace and calm. Question, why? Why would we not just jump right to heaven? Why not just go straight to eternity? His foot touches down in the Mount of Olives. Boom, instantly done. Let's go to heaven. And, and you know, there's a lot of thoughts on this. I'm just going to give you a few. Number one, there have been promises made to the nation of Israel in the form of covenants that are not yet done. There will absolutely be the fulfillment of Abraham, that the nations are going to be blessed, that the land is going to be given to you. There's going to be the promise to David, your kingship following, your bloodline. There will be one who takes over rule and he will rule forever. It says that he's actually going to rule with an iron rod over the nations. Still has to be fulfilled. From Jerusalem, still has to be fulfilled. The Palestinian covenant, the promise of land and exact boundaries will be fulfilled. We're looking for a massive, amazing fulfillment of all those promises. Even the promises to Christ, your enemies will be your footstool. You will get to rule with an iron rod. Fulfillment is one of the big pieces. But I'll tell you this, this is an amazing piece and I won't go into it a lot, but if you start with Adam and you just take all the durations of time that people are listed to live and you add it all up to get to the time of Christ, and then you add in the whole church age that we've been in, right? We're getting pretty close to 6,000 years is where we're at. And in fact, Orthodox Jewish belief says, the bottom line is, at 6,000 years, it's all coming to a close, this earth, and then there will be a thousand-year amazing peaceful rest on this land like we've never seen as Christ rules over all. Six and one. Where have we heard that before, right? And this is going to be the Sabbath rest of this land. 6,000 years of unrest and a 1,000 years of amazing Sabbath, bringing it to a close, unbelievable peace, oh, rest in our King who is restoring it up and getting ready to take us into absolute perfection. Everybody just say, God has a plan. May we worship Him for His grace. He's pouring on what we don't deserve. He's ushering us into a kingdom that is all about his goodness. May we worship him for his grace and his mercy. I'll even say this, moms, as you're leading in your home, make sure grace and mercy and peace are earmarks of your home pouring in to your children. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and then third, by the authority of Jesus, a final rebellion on earth will be ended once and for all. 
at the end of the thousand years, there's still one more rebellion to come. Can you believe it? It says, and when the thousand years are ended, how many years? When the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense, all right? When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison. One final clearing of all sin, that's what's coming. Satan is going to be allowed to rally together one last rebellion. And here's the sad thing. All of the surviving believers are the ones that moved into the kingdom in the beginning, right? So it's all populated with believers in the beginning. But they're going to have kids who have kids who have kids. And people are living for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And there will be many who choose not to follow Jesus Christ. As sad as that is, sitting under and seeing his rule missing and refusing his leadership in the midst. It says, And Satan will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. This is probably at best understood like a, a simile or a metaphor. Like Gog and Magog, there's a war that's mentioned in Ezekiel, and in that war, a rallying of many of the nations comes together, and God just obliterates in one moment. Similar this thing is going to happen here. And you see this rallying together from all portions all the unsaved of all the nations everywhere. And it isn't going to go well for them. They rally up against Jesus Christ to try to take him on. Can you imagine? Like you've just had family walk through the seven final years with the wrath and the authority of God Almighty. And your plan is to go against that God. Even now. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. I agree with you. It is sad and a terrible plan. It says their number is like the sands of the sea. It's a lot. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. They came up and they surrounded Jerusalem. They rallied into place and they get ready to go after all the believers that are living and Jesus Christ himself who's sitting on the throne. It says, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Like, I mean, it doesn't even take time. I'm not even going to give you a full sentence. You get half a sentence, but fire came down and consumed them. It's a terrible plan. God has it in hand. He is absolutely in charge. His authority over all. He has all authority. Everybody say all authority. He has all authority. May he get lifted up. It says, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown down into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. Remember at the end of the last series when Christ came in and his foot touched down and rebellion ended. He took the beast and the false prophet and threw them in the lake of fire which is hell. He put him in hell at that point. A thousand years now goes by. Satan tries to rebel again. He grabs Satan and throws him into the lake of fire. So they've been there for a thousand years. Satan now goes in at the end of the thousand years. And everything is now managed. All the evil, all the rebellion, even the Sabbath rest of the land, the fulfillment of all the covenants, this all is done. It says, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever, man. Um, lake of fire is nothing to toy with. And Satan has it all wrong. May we recognize that we serve the king who is a king of mercy and grace and peace with all authority. He is 
coming again. Jesus Christ is soon going to mount on his white horse and come thundering into this place. In a moment, he will put that instantaneous rebellion to an end. He will walk those surviving into the kingdom. And for a thousand years, it's going to be an amazing Sabbath rest. There is going to be no disease, long-term living, massive peace. Satan is gone. Whispers are out. Christ is in. An amazing, glorious, peace-ridden, grace-ridden, mercy-ridden kingdom where Christ has all authority. Everybody say all authority. Amen, man. Amen. Oh yeah, and this is just the beginning because then it goes on for eternity as we enter into heaven beyond. May we truly worship the King. This thousand years, just bringing to a close what's going on on this earth and God has a plan. Everybody just say God has a plan. I agree with you, man. May we worship the King who is coming again. And all of God's people said, let's pray.